Welcome to Hey Joe, a podcast answering questions asked by our listeners. Created by pet professionals for pet professionals. And now, your host, Hey Joe's very own, Joe Zuccarello. What's up, everyone? Joe Zuccarello here, and welcome to Hey Joe, a podcast brought to you by Paragon School of Pet Grooming. Check out our site at paragonpetschool.com for lots of really cool information on a variety of programs, products, and to connect to educational resources such as webinars, podcasts, current events, special news, certifications, and lots of other helpful information to help you grow yourself, your team, and of course your business. Let's get started with this week's episode. Hey everyone, this is Joe Zuccarello, your host of the Hey Joe podcast, and this episode is all about something that maybe some of you have tried, some of you have been successful with, but maybe it's also about some things that you've tried and you've just not been super thrilled with, and that is retail, selling pets, pet supplies through your pet services business, or even something even bigger than that, and that is remodeling, maybe maybe creating the environment where your customers want to be, not because they have to be there, but it, that they want to be there and you want them to be there, but you want them to be there as long as possible. And while they're there, being as comfortable as possible. So uh, with that in mind, I am joined today by a guest that I've been hoping to get on the Hey Joe podcast now for several months since I first met him. Gentleman's name is Chris Miller, and I'm going to allow Chris to, to kind of give us an introduction about what he does. But listen, if there was a time when you're pulling out a scratch pad or you're opening your notes on your computer or your phone and starting to take some notes, uh, today is one of those episodes. So Chris Miller, thank you for joining us on the Hey Joe podcast. Would you tell us a little bit about who you are and what your business is and the type of uh, businesses that you serve. Well, thank you, Joe. That was a great introduction. I wish my mom was here to hear that one else. That's awesome. Uh, we've been doing this for a very long time, since 1981. So we're on our 40-year mark. We've basically designed and equipped well over 3,500 retail stores. I stopped counting about 10 years ago, figured 3,500 was enough to put a feather in your cap. We do all different types of industries, but pet has been nearest and dearest to my heart. And one of the original stores that I did way back in the seventies. Uh, and the pet industry is probably at, at least half of our business in a given year. So it's, it's kind of our specialty. Uh, we've designed everything from the front door to the back door. So I had, my upbringing was in warehouse design. All those warehouses we designed, distributed to retail. So I did a, a lot of couple pet distributors and then they said, hey, can you help us with your pet stores? You did a great job on our warehouse. And I said, well, we kind of do warehouses, but when somebody asks you long enough, you know, you're gonna start doing that kind of business. If there's a demand, you, you, know, you create the supply. So 1981, I broke off onto my own business and uh, started the health food industry and the pet industry, very similar mom and pop bedroom uh, community and very similar types of businesses with the number of SKUs, the same problems, the same issues, refrigeration, freezers, all kinds of things that happened in both of those industries. So it was a quite a correlation. And um, then I started speaking at some of the national trade shows and then uh, started 
going all over the world. We've designed stores in Guam, Finland, New Zealand, Australia, Canada. Uh, 75% of our business is out of state. We're located in California. We manufacture and design and build and install retail stores. That's kind of our specialty. There's not too many people you can find on this planet that's a general contractor, a store designer, architect, builder, uh, and professional merchandiser, installer, and consultant for, for the pet industry. Most people have to go out and hire three or four different people to get that task done. And we do it in-house or partial. You know, if you just need some little thing done, we can do that as well. So we have a, a plethora of programs and we try and do a fit and value uh, for that particular project and not to over-design it or under-design it. We wanna hit a sweet spot and make sure that the design or consulting fees stay around 10, 12%. So you have money left over to do the rest of the project. It's kind of an important thing. It's not a big money maker for us uh, by any stretch. It, it's just, a, it ends to a means. Uh, we have a production area in the back that we fabricate checkout counters. We fabricate focal points, animal enclosures, beta bubble walls to uh, window displays. Uh, we're building some trees for a, a wild bird section for, for, for a project. So we've got these giant. I mean, that process high. doesn't happen naturally. You just plant a seed in the ground, wait about 10 years and you have your nah. tree, right? You're going to make it a lot of <laughs> You're going to hasten that process, right? So, yeah. so yeah, I mean, at Pacific Store Design, you, I mean, you're dug in, right? And you own this industry, which is really important because at the at the lead in of the podcast, you know, when I'm talking about uh, to the Hey Joe uh, listener audience out there about retailing, or it, it's 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 bigger than that, right? If if even if you offer no retail, Pacific Store Designs, Chris Miller, you can come in and 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 help pet services providers, right? That I, listen, we've both. I know in our show prep, we've, we've talked about some of the places that we've been and yes. some of them just desperately need, it might be something as simple as a coat of paint or a new shelving unit or, uh, uh, or some new fixtures and such. But in, in most cases, there's a lot of pet service facilities and a lot of pet supplies, uh, 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 retailers out there that have exhausted the lifespan of the current decor or uh shelving units i mean some of them are pretty tired right and, yeah, and we call it, we call it terminal uniqueness we call it terminal uniqueness <laughs> terminal uniqueness i love that yeah. i love that even if you're on the right uh, railroad tracks you'll get run over if you just sit there so you got to keep moving the only given in retail is change and in fact, the word retail, you know, we, we look at it as a holistic approach, uh, like a fly on the wall looking in at the, what the project and, you know, where did the word retailing come from? A lot of people have been in business for 20, 30 years and they don't even know where the word retail came from. And, you know, it's really interesting that re is a Latin derivative to, to do again and tale art of telling stories, retelling story. Everything, every product, every service in your store needs to have a story behind it in any retail fashion or any storefront anybody dealing with the general public has to have a story what is my story what makes me better how can i implant a seed it's called front frontal loading how can i front load my customers so they remember the story and they can tell other people and retell that story over and over again people buy a story if you think about it back in the dark ages before we had retail stores it was a barter system you would in the 1400s you'd go into a village you say where do 
I get fresh fruits and bread? They say, Martha, down by the weeping willow, she has the best bread in town. You get there before noon and she trades fresh fruits and vegetables. You're going to remember that story. So think about your particular location, what you do, what do you do well, what makes you different, and find a story to tell the people. And every product, every service needs to have a story. And some of the top retailers and this top customer service always has a story to tell for the day. It's a little five-minute manager in the back room. What, what's our story today that we're going to put out? Oh, we do deliveries now. Or, oh, we do special orders. Did you know we can put you on an on automatic uh, fulfillment just like Amazon does? And we can do it better. Uh, and, and we can send you a text when it comes in. You know, all these different services that are available these days. But, yeah. you know, from, from the standpoint of the... Umbrella effect, we call it the four basic areas of a retail store. That is the first one's the outside, which is curb appeal. The second one is the inside is the design of the store, the feel, the temperature, the smell, the textures, the finishes, the colors, everything that has to do with appealing to the senses when they walk in that door. And then there's the merchandising, showing respect for the merchandise, the product mix, how is it displayed? And then the staff is number four. Uh, how's the staff interact with the customers? It's kind of like a car going down the street with four tires. One of the tires is bald and underinflated and out of a line. The car doesn't perform as well. So what we look at is the entire store. Obviously, some people don't will remodel and they won't do anything to the exterior. They say, oh, it looks fine. But if you don't tell them something happened on the outside, how do they know something happened on the inside? So you need to have something change on the outside so people can drive into the stores. Oh, I got to go in there and check that out. Uh, we, so so we, before I want to unpack each one of those. So I want to be able to make sure that on this podcast episode, we have plenty of time to sort of break into like peek, take a peek behind the curtain, if you would, for each one of those elements. But something we said in our show prep, something you said to me, it's really, it, it struck me. And I thought it was so important to be able to bring to the Hey Joe listener audience uh, uh, as we sort of kind of set up the story for each one of those big four, those four key elements in that holistic approach is customer experience. Now, if you have listened to the Hey Joe podcast before, anybody out there that's listening, you know that uh, that is my two favorite words, customer experience. Way different than customer service, right? Because experiences, it, 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 it really does kind of encapsulate all four of those because all four of those elements, because it's it also encapsulates or, or, or involves all of our senses. So I'm really anxious for you to be able to share those. But before you do, in our show prep, when we were talking about customer experience, you introduced me to uh, this, this concept uh, called the 28 seconds rule. Would you do the listeners a favor and tell us about what the 28 seconds rule is? Well, in when you shop a store, you are going to form an opinion about that store. And they've done studies, and Bank of America puts out a lot of them. Uh, that in the people form an opinion in the first 28 seconds. From so it's like a stopwatch. Sometimes they see your sign, and if the letters are out or it's dirty or whatever, and they pull into the parking lot and they get out of their car. That this this time is going on, and they see the dirt, they see the all the scotch tape and all the nonsense in the windows, a visual train wreck that happens. And they they start to form an opinion about the dirty mat, and the cigarette butts out front and they open up the door and they get a whiff of smell and they look left, look right. And 
they form an opinion. That 28 seconds is up. Now, is that a positive opinion or is it a negative opinion? If it's negative, you're got to have some awesome staff and an awesome experience after that to turn that around. So what happens is after that 28 seconds, if it's positive and there's space and they feel comfortable, the female shopper, which does about 75% of the shopping in the pet industry, they feel comfortable and they will stay longer in that same retail environment. We did a bunch of stores up in Canada and we got the tiny aisles into to bigger aisles and we did color blocking and lighting and we did a whole lot of matching all the fixtures and warming the place up so it was female friendly and shopper friendly. And they found that the people were staying in the store an extra 20 minutes on average and their average wow. sale 20 went up minutes. 30. Yeah, and average sale went up 35%. Average ticket sale went up 35% on average. Holy we, cow, it, that's it, incredible. It, it just, pe people walk in and, and it's like, wow, it's not cluttered. Oh, it's not a visual train wreck. Oh, I got room to shop now. Now I have a shopping cart that actually is big enough to push around the store. You know, I have a comfortable handle on the basket. So it's breaking down the barriers of intimidation, all those little things, not one of them makes a difference. But when you do 20 things right, guess what? People, it's just, people notice. I was- well, And you, you mentioned opinions, right? Opinions. Yeah. They don't necessarily have to be truth or not, right? It's it is as personal to the shopper, to the client, as a thumbprint. It, they, everybody's entitled to their opinions. What you're suggesting is, and you're going to go through these key four elements. How do we stack the deck in our favor so that the opinions favor us, right? So that the opinions equal results. I mean, at the end of that, that's what we're looking to do. We're not looking to just have a, a place for people to come and hang out. We're looking to increase the time in the store, increase the, the, the basket value, increase the, the, the amount of money that they spend with us, not in a manipulative, manipulative sort of way, right? Because it comes down to assortment and what we want to make sure that they understand could be available to their pet to, to enhance their pet's livelihood, their well-being, their grooming needs or what have you. And again, regardless, if you have a small retail assortment, a large retail assortment, or even strictly pet services, because services are products. So I just want to make sure that I'm drawing that line. So if you're just, if you're Betty's pet grooming out there, and you really have little to no retail, Chris, th th these, these techniques are as much for you out there, Betty, pet, pet grooming salon, than a, 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 a larger retailer. These techniques are usable for all of you. So let's start universal. to unpack. Universal. universal. Thank you. I was searching for the word. Thank you. Uh, so let's let's start unpacking these then. So you've got these this this holistic approach to your point. I love the analogy about the car with the bald tire. Um, sort of reminds me of a car I had when I was 16 or 17 years old. You're right. It did not perform really well. Uh, always pulling to the left. Had, it's always pulling to, to the left. I think I even had to reach out of the window to open the door because the inside handle didn't work. So, you know, uh, if you have some things that are duct taped together in your store, that's sort of what my first car uh, looked like. Let's first talk about if this 28 seconds clock starts outside. Yes. We're going to go through 28 seconds in a hurry. Think about it. Yeah. It's, so pretty much when they walk in the store, that first area is called the decompression zone. It's about a nine foot by nine foot area. The average person is comfortable with arm's distance. 
So if you take your arms and put them out in four directions, that circle of five feet or six feet is that comfort zone. Whenever you encroach into that comfort zone, people's shop and browse mode turns off immediately. Hmm. 85% of the population suffers from type of claustrophobia. So we got to make sure we have enough space in the store in the decompression zone, that first impression area of that last 28 seconds, maybe it's five or six seconds when they open the door, take a sniff, turn, look left, look right. That 28 seconds is up. They formed an opinion about the store, the customer service, the professionalism, the value, what's going to happen at the end of this experience. Now, it's either going to continue being positive or you're going to have to find a way to turn it around. So the exterior is just as important as the interior, the merchandising, and the staff. People underestimate the power of good curb appeal. So whether you have drive-by traffic or you have walk-by traffic, your window displays have two different goals or your windows or anything you do exterior of the store. Probably the number one thing that I recommend is anytime the weather is nice enough, prop the door open. Use a big giant uh, cast dog or a cat or an animal with balloons tied to its neck and a collar on it and make them your greeter. Have something fun that people, when they scan all those doors and all that glass that's reflective, they can't see in, but I can see that this door is open. I can see a neon bone sign over the door. Uh, they know it's pet related and it's a pet store and it's open of some level, but a bone with a open, it's, 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 it's universal language. So mm -hmm. whether you read the English language or not, you can scan it and immediately say that's pet related store. So mm -hmm. that's the important parts, so, you know, keeping the store clean out front, policing it daily, hourly, uh, train your staff to pick up things as they walk through the store. I even have one store that actually will sit, stand and talk to customers and rub out scuff marks on the floor while they're talking to them. They're that ingrained in the cleanliness of the store. Well, and you to your point you about exterior, you know, yeah. like you said, the lights that are out, the can lights, right? If you're, let's say you're in a strip center and you've got a light to talk, get that sign company out there or, or be on the phone with the, the landlord, whoever's responsible for getting that repaired. But it's, it's, it's sometimes it's, it's the, it's, it's a, a, a large number of small things. One of the things that I just could never tolerate in the store, in my stores was stool in the mulch beds from dogs that use the, you know, or peeing on the, 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 the post for the railing of the steps leading up to the store, you know, you know, P-mail, right? We used to call it yeah. P-mail, you know, but customers see that and, 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 and they have to avoid that sort of thing. And then I've had some stores that say, well, we put up a cleanup station out, out, out front. It's almost just as bad to my, in my opinion, as having the stool in a mulch bed is having a bucket with a, with a scooper or, or, uh, you know, or, or even a, I like the potty waste, you know, the little waste bags, uh, 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 dispenser and that sort of thing on a really tidy, you can listen, that stuff happens, right? It, sure. it happens. Um, but for all of you service providers out there, you know, when Chris says prop that front door open, my antenna immediately go off and say, oh, that's a, you know, an escape point, right? Um, but build in other security measures inside your store, or even if, even if you're a, a complete pet care facility and propping the door doesn't, you know, isn't something, don't lose sight of what Chris is, what Chris is saying is invite people in, make sure that you catch their, I love the big cast stone or cast, you know, iron uh, uh, dog. I, I'm thinking of my local treat supply uh, place I go to. That's exactly what they have. <laughs> they have exactly what you described. The, the dog sits out front and it wears an outfit. It gets peed on all the time, but they're out there cleaning it all the time. So 
Um, yeah, so I can appreciate that. So bird's nests in the sign. You don't need your sign company to get that out of there. Get your ladder out and get that bird's nest out. My favorite uh, excuse when I do store walkthroughs and do consulting is they say, oh, that's the landlord's job or that's what I pay cam charges for. I go, but it's dirty now and people mm -hmm. see it now. They see the trash in the in the flower beds. They see the dead plants. I, I, went, I went in, somebody paid me a lot of money to go into a, a very large well-to-do natural food store up in San Francisco. And I said, there's, what can I do to prepare before you, I get there? And I said, store has to be clean. And I, I that's all I ask. And, and I'll take notes and, and we'll have a meeting after my walkthrough. I walked in and the, the floors were dirty. They hadn't been cleaned. There was a dead plant holding the front door open as your greeter. And they said, well, Martha's nursing it back to health. I said, really? How come the floors aren't done? Well, we're waiting on bids. I go, no, you get somebody in here tonight to clean it. You're doing $10 million a year. You can afford it. It's, hmm. it, you know, it's just, they get caught up in the minutia and they're putting produce away and putting away product when it's prime time noon on a, on a Saturday and they're, aisles are all cluttered with people putting produce away. No, this is what you do at 5 a.m. This is this is retail. This is this is your time to shine. It's not your time to to be in the way of customers. And it just they they they're so blinded by their way they've always done things rather than how they should be doing them. So so let's uh, talk about that inside then, right? And so now you yeah. you've you've sort of you've sort of brought us into this visual, okay, we got to get past the front. Again, 28 seconds. If it starts outside again, if that makes a point, if that doesn't make a point, nothing does. 28 seconds, I bet half of that, maybe at least a third of that is before they even open up that front door. So now they're inside, Chris, right? Now yeah. they're inside. And, and you know, I want to make a point. What do you think about window stuff, right? Like, you know, dog food companies are notorious for sending uh, uh, window clings and posters and, and such, you know, window painting window signage uh, uh can can you can you talk is that inside or outside or both how where do, where do you address windows well the windows uh are kind of a unique thing again i spoke about drive-by traffic and i spoke about walk-by traffic i would say 90 percent of the stores are drive-by traffic so you you're, you're dealing with 40 35, 40, 50 miles an hour, people only have a few seconds to see your storefront and how are you going to stand out? So if you're drive-by traffic, large super graphics of people, lifestyle with their animal, a, a large dog and a cat in the windows that are that perf, you know, like you see on the buses. So you can still see out and you mm -hmm. still get some natural light in, but from the curb appeal, they, they, they know that it's pet related type business. It could be a, a dog, with a brush in its teeth and in, in the bubbles in the bathtub, uh, if you're a groomer or a bather, uh, you know, so you think about universal language, lifestyle, animals and people together uh, as they can see it from a distance. Uh, the average uh, letter that's two inches high is readable from about 50 feet. A, a 12 inch le uh, letter is readable from 300 feet and a three foot high letters readable from a thousand feet there's a font readability index you can google it up based upon the contrast the font and the boldness somebody with 2020 vision 
will be able to read from a certain distance. So look at how far you are, your front door is away from the drive-by. Look at the signs. And anytime you can get signs that are perpendicular to the street, then people have more time to read it because people don't see at 90 degree angles. They see it 45s and straight on. So that's kind of the thing is visually, what does your store look like and how can I make it different? Uh, a lot of stores will take big, giant, uh, heavy urns uh, or pot, you know, pottery that are really, really heavy. They fill them up with rock. They mount some faux topiary, like a, a dog that's made out of plants, and they'll put in a, a, a solar Tivoli light. So at night, it, it 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 twinkles, and you drive past it, and it now it's a now it's that oh, that's a dog or cat store. There's something going on there. I gotta check it out. It's very whimsical. It's curb appeal. You know, you can't underestimate the power of good curb appeal. So, traffic flow starts outside. It's 25% of the buying environment. And you need to do something outside if you're going to do anything inside. So they go hand in hand and people say, oh, it doesn't matter. They know me. They know where I, they don't. I had a store, national, I had <laughs> a store national scuba. They were on a busy street. Their front door was 20 feet away from the main uh, street. And they would get 30, 40,000 cars a day. But the cars are going 45, 50 miles an hour. And they always had a diver down flag, you know, the red flag with the white stripe on it. And it was always out there. And they say, well, we're a repair shop and we have retail. And everybody knows this. Uh, in the curb appeal, no, 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 no. And I said, you want to bet? And they, and they said, sure. So in the window, we, uh, we changed out the glass to a non-reflective glass. So all the storefronts all going down. It's all glare during the day. But his, you can see into because it's non-reflective glass. We put a Venetian blind that was blue about two feet away from the window. And we put a, uh, a mannequin with the dive skins that were all the bright neon colors. And we put a black light on it. And at night, it glowed like a beacon. He increased his foot traffic into the store 40%. 40% more people coming in the door. Never knew you were here. Never knew you were here. Never... His sales went up like 30, 30, just from that one display. Wow. Just because pe people they're they're blind they they yep. don't read they're yeah. they're creatures of habit and your job as a retailer is to have a story and change that habit and anybody can shop in any store they want to but if you know you're, you're not in just competition with the, the groomer down the street and everybody else you're in competition with all retail and people mm -hmm. don't know that they think well and, very... then, and then give them kids in the car a dog at the end of the leash maybe two maybe three or in a carrier, a baby in a carrier. So they've got a lot of other uh, external stimuli or, you know, or involved stimuli going on to keep them from from seeing you even even more. Okay, so let's get to the insight because I know this is where now, now the, the, the pet parent is, is inside your establishment. Again, regardless, just a real quick reminder to the Hey Joe listener audience out there, we're talking to Chris Miller with Pacific Store Design, just a master at creating a, a, a shopping, environment for pet parents specific to the pet industry he's done some other things as well but specific to the pet industry so we're talking about gaining their confidence because it's someplace that they feel comfortable being in especially when it comes to uh, bringing their pet in or, or coming in and shopping for supplies for their pet so now they're inside so our holistic approach we talked about inside now they're inside this is where we we can we can lose them i mean we again I've been in these places where you walk in and it smells so bad or looks so bad. And 
it just becomes, unfortunately, you know that Febreze commercial? That's what I think of. I think about that Febreze commercial with the teenager who the mom walks in and the bedroom, you know, looks like it's a bunch of tube socks or athletic socks. Mm -hmm. Nose blind, they call it. Yeah. I think we even become eye blind, visually blind in our, in a facility. So Chris, what are some of the, the, the holistic approach uh, method? What is it for inside? Well, as you know, traffic flow on the inside is just as important as traffic flow on the outside. Traffic flow we call as the lifeblood to sales. My job is to get people to walk further in the store, see more merchandise, and triple the impressions of the buying experience, no matter what they're buying or what they're doing. So if we can increase the shopability and the visibility and the comfort level, people will stay in the store longer. And and 75% of retail are impulse sales. So if they came in with 25 bucks in their pocket, there's still 75 bucks to be had. My job is to separate them from their wallet. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I'm an annuity. You only pay for me once and your store gets to work for the rest of the time. So what we look at in, in a retail design standpoint is positioning key areas to we call them destination areas. You've heard of the eggs on one side and the milk and the dairy on the other and get people to to transfer. We do the same thing, but you also want to make it easy for people to shop. So depending upon the type of store and what your goals are, uh, just a simple tie down at the checkout counter so they can tie it down their animals so it frees up their hands. What happens when their hands are free and they got places they can buy the the, the countertop stuff. They can, they can, you know, they, they not have this, dog pulling on them they can read the signage of services and they can pick up a brochure and look at it it gives them time to shop so we don't want to encroach into browse mode once that browse mode kicks in it's it's a very powerful thing so they can go over to the bone bar and buy some trinkets for the dog and they pick up some cat toys and and now they can look at the label and read it they their hands are empty and then we've done our job is making it a comfortable retail environment to shop so we use a traffic flow usually in a circular motion so they take a different path in and a different path out within that path we like to set things called focal points it's like a little stage or an end cap it could be a different color, a different type of fixture. It could be a stage with down lighting on it, but it's like, hey, I'm special. This is a new product. This is something we're featuring. It could be hydration month before summer. It could be travel. It could be anything, but it's it's something that's your seasonal change out and it, it can have a variety of products. And you can also sell these to manufacturers. They'll pay for these prime real estate, especially if you have a high traffic store. And then uh, obviously we, if you carry food or whatever your number one foot trafficked item is, uh, is in the back of the store. So then they pick that item up and then go to the right. 80% of the people go to the right. And then they virtually walk (laughs) out of the store. Now, small grooming shop, they're a one man show or one girl show or one person show. Then they're just always in the same location. They don't have as many tools in which to get people to walk further and they can't afford to have a secondary checkout. But those that do, um, you have a pinch point at the front door. We typically like to put the checkout to the left so they, you can greet them and they'll go to the right. Just by positioning the, the, the counter dictates which way traffic flow is going to go because people see a salesperson, they go, oh, salesperson, they walk the other way. <laughs> so uh, there's psychology to the, the whole uh, design. So then we also look at the lighting, uh, layers of light, 
general accent task and uh, decor, which is a new layer of light that's been added. So we can use lighting techniques because the eyes of camera, it's always going. So if we can create hotspots, we can make the stop, I stop and spend more time because people are, are guided to two things, space and illumination. You give them space to walk and good illumination, they will go there. Hmm. And if you make it dark and a very narrow aisle and not comfortable, they will not go down that aisle. 80% of the population suffers from some type of claustrophobia. Just look what happens when you go into an elevator. People shut up and then as soon as that elevator wrote, they all start talking and everybody's comfortable again. And women especially, they do not like to get walked behind. It, they just, it's just, a, it, it, the, you can do anything you want, but if you encroach into their comfort space, the browse mode's off and they can't wait to get out of that store as quick as possible. Mm -hmm. So be very wary of enough space in your check-in or check-out process, no matter whether you're checking in animals, you're checking out product, you got to give people like a five by five space to be comfortable. And if it's more than that, then they, they end up leaving. They just won't, they, it just turns off browse mode instantly. Well, it's think, very psychological. I think too, one thing you're probably going to talk about when we get to the merchandising is sometimes just too much is just too much. I mean, I, I know because I've, I, you know, I, I've been in these facilities before where it's like, well, we're, the only way we're going to make more money is if we just have more stuff to sell. We have to have mm -hmm. two or three different variations of this and four different variations of this. Or if we don't carry this that goes with that, we might not have a, you know, so I'm, I'm sure there's some real techniques there. Before we get there though, you pointed out something earlier about, you know, as soon as they see staff, right? Oh gosh, here comes a salesperson. Um, Let's, let's talk about staff for a moment. So staff, okay. what type of staff? And I know there's probably a whole podcast episode we could talk about the different personality types of people. So, you know, obviously we don't have a ton of, of time today to take a real deep dive, but let's just talk about staff in general. And why, you know, if you've listened to me before uh, on the Hey Joe podcast, you know that, that I have this, this model of contributor and producer. Producers are the ones doing the business. So especially in pet care facilities, they're the ones back there performing the business and contributors are drivers. They're the ones creating the business, driving the business. So Chris, talk to us a little bit about those drivers and, and why it's important that, you know, our, the, the people we put to greet our customers and to, to serve our customers in this customer experience mode in their, in their, in their browse and shopping mode need to be our A players, right? I mean, they're, they're an extension of who our business is, right? Yes. However, you got to be careful that you choose the right personality for the right job. We have, we call them the ABCDs of uh, the personality approach. You got the analyticals, which are Bean counters, uh, they're the people that do books, they're accountants, they're, they ask a lot of questions. They're not usually very personable. Uh, those are great people to have in the back that are worker bees that can do the books, that can put away merchandise, but really don't have a lot of people skills. And probably not the best for your frontline people that are gonna be greeting the customers, asking questions and, and fulfilling their needs as best they can. And then, the uh, benefactors uh, or the bees, we call me uh, uh, the more rational kind of people. They make great salespeople because they 
belong to gyms, they belong to clubs, they belong on sports teams. They're very, uh, I have a lot of friends usually, they're very amiable and in, in the way they, they do their things, they're hardworking uh, and they're very reliable and they're just on, you know, you, you get that vibe that they're a cool, cool cat right away. Those are the kind of people you wanna have on your floor that can become uh, assistant managers, managers and or, or frontline uh, store people. The um, other ones are the amiables. They're asked too many questions. They uh, they they want to talk. They're talkers. They want to learn what's your dog's name? Oh, where did you grow up? And they just go on and on and on and on and on. And they don't get things done. They talk more than they do. And those kind of people can become good salespeople if they're trained, but typically not so much. And then the A types, the, the people that own the business usually are the drivers. They can be great salespeople, especially if they're on commission. But if you put two of those kind of people out on the sales floor, they're going to fight like dogs and cats. They don't get along mm -hmm. with each other. So you got to be really careful how you stack your frontline workers. And then again, training, uh, you know, if you're going to remodel the store, we have to remodel the culture and the training of staff and how they operate in this new environment. And what are the expectations? I would say 90, 95% of retailers do not set a daily goal for their staff or for themselves. They don't have a daily goal for average ticket sale, how many transactions, what the, the story of the week is or the story of the month, what their specials are or reminders. They don't have any set goals. They just go, okay, same, same as yesterday, okay. And there's nobody working on the business. They're all caught up in the in-business part of the going on so the culture and then training i call it customer care care stands for contact a customer ask questions recommend and encourage the sale so build the relationship first ask them their names or animals names call them by name call their memorize their animals names people love that if you can remember their dog's name or their cat's name and or their children's name that goes far beyond anything you're part of the family now and and now they're never going to shop anyplace else that uh, you're you've earned my business i i and i loyalty is often uh, forgotten and uh, easily missed but i think that's a great way to attack the retail frontline first first responders in my business <laughs> well and, and and i like how you say be careful how you stack your team you know, it's like any other, let's just, I, I use a lot of sports analogies, right? Not everybody's the first baseman. Not everybody's the pitcher. They all have a different role. So I, I can totally appreciate how you say, be careful how you stack your team. So let's, and again, we're going to be kind of running out of time. So we're going to kind of boogie through, but I don't, I want to make sure we're focusing on that fourth element, which is merchandising, right? And, and you kind of started to touch on this a little bit when you were kind of in the inside part of the approach, but. Because you know, they overlap. They overlap. They do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It, it, they work together in, in unison. So the merchandising is showing respect for the merchandise. We don't want product on the ground. The, the, the floor is made for feet, mops, and brooms. It's not made for product. <laughs> it, and I see so much product on the floor. And what happens, that product gets damaged. It gets peed on. It does, you know, whatever it is. It gets broken and scratched, dust and dirt. Nobody wants to buy um, dust bunnies off of a cage or, or whatever it may be, a kennel or whatever, a dog bed. I, I mean, it's just, I, why would you spend good money and put it on the ground? So mm -hmm. show, get the product up off the ground. 
uh, from a merchandising standpoint. What we're going to do is in the next session, we're going to go heavily into the Ten Commandments of merchandising and speak about uh, the post-COVID services and uh, you know what why stores fail, return on investment, and get into the merchandising in depth and also visual merchandising. But some teasers into the merchandising. Number one, keep your store clean. You can't fix clean. Have a cleaning schedule that's everybody has to clean a four-foot section every day. Uh, don't have to clean 16 feet of shampoo. I just need you to do four feet in your eight-hour shift or your part-time shift. That's all you got to do. And don't use a feather duster. Just moves the dust around. Use a wet towel over your shoulder, pull the product off, wipe it all down, and reset it. Simple to do. And if you do it on a calendar basis, you go through the store, and it's all detailed out every month. So you never have to worry about it. So everybody can agree they can clean a four-foot set. If you can't do the cleaning session, the rest of these commandments that we're going to tell you in the next session mean nothing. But mm. the one I'm going to talk about design-wise that ties in with design, as you said, is color blocks and color breaks. That means you're taking the package color and running it up and down vertically. And the reason is that people's eyes will be catch that block of color and relax it'll go ah and then it will move down so by ribboning the merchandising vertically colorizing wherever you can it makes the eye stop and it makes it move down to the knees there's an 80 percent difference between knee level and eye level in the sellability of a product so when we do this circular walkway we have our track lighting we've used these color blocks and color breaks either with fixturization or with or with the actual product, the eye stops, stops and goes down. And then it relaxes and a big color black goes, ah, oh, now I can focus in on the merchandise. Rather than a visual train wreck where we have a thousand colors, a thousand different heights and shapes and everything else, and it's just a junk drawer, you can't spend time there. The eye has to move on. It just can't, it can't absorb it. So it's a matter of a tease. And then it's here's some good stuff and then it's a tease and here's some good stuff and then the track lighting the circular flow the color blocks the color breaks setting some things on angles so they see it all become that tripling the impressions when they walk into the same environment hmm. wow Be, wow yeah it, it it's kind of kind of cool how it all works yeah. together well and, and and you know i i what's interesting is i think that some people do this naturally some people just have an i just have a natural eye for this and then there's people like me <laughs> who I don't have a natural eye. I, I kind of camped out in that in that group of, well, to sell more, we have to have more, right? So I kind of camped out in that. So to meet somebody like you, gosh, I wish I would have had you uh, as a resource, uh, uh, you know, back when I was running uh, some of my stores. But so Chris, real quick, you know, when we're talking and thank you for teasing episode two, because the, hey, all of you, Hey Joe listener uh, audience out there, we're going to, we're going to have a repeat visit. We're going to have episode two. So a kind of a carryover of this with even more, but more drilled in content uh, coming up in about a month or so. So you want to uh, keep your, uh, keep your eyes and ears open for that release. But before we, before we wrap up for today, Chris, I want to, I want to settle maybe some thoughts that might be going on out there. I want to sort of channel my inner listener, <laughs> the Hey Joe listener out there. This sounds expensive. So I know in the next episode, we're going to talk about payoff. We're going to talk about return on investment, but does it have to be expensive to do some of the things that you're talking about? Well, a very simple formula for any business, anything you do in business, whether it's a new tub or it's a new this or a new that, anything you do, you look at your return on investment. What do I gain? Uh, you look at your sales per square foot 
And if we can put in some swing panels that I can get 10 feet of merchandise into four feet, or if I can put in some double sliders where I can get eight feet of merchandise into four feet, or some spinners or uh, the correct depth shelving with the thinner profile. So I can pick up two, four, six, eight, 10, 12 inches vertically. And I can get another shelf in. So I've increased typically after a remodel, we get about 17 to 20% more selling space in the same footprint with bigger aisles. Now think about that. Wow. I have more room to shop. I got 20% more inventory. Now with our merchandising skills and our remodeling the outside and the inside, we see somewhere between 25 to 50% increases in sales that they would not have gotten from their just general increase in sales that they've been getting over the years from inflation, price increases, you know, all those kind of things that naturally drive up your sales uh, that people don't, uh, they others, and well, I'm up 5%. Well, you know, CPI is up three and, you know, everything else and, you know, prices on all of it, everything's gone up. So no, no, no kidding, you're up 5%. But the bottom line is, is why remodel? And, and the, the reason is, is to increase your sales, bottom line. And mm-hmm. I'm very conservative because you never know what's going to happen. Um, we've remodeled a lot of stores over the last year and seen increases still. Uh, because people want that experience. So if we had, I'll just give you an example, a store that's, let's say it's a thousand square feet and they do 200,000 a year. Uh, not a mind-blowingly busy, great store. But if we can get that store up 20%, that's $40,000 a year in sales. It, and at 40% gross margin, um, that's $16,000 a year in your pocket. Think about that. I if I get sixteen thousand dollars to remodel every year, that's only that twenty percent increase. If we hit forty, it's double that. So we find that about a seven percent increase in sales is kind of your sweet spot for a return on investment. Anything above that's money in your pocket. So it's a very low risk reward, but people don't do it because they're scared. They don't know how to, they don't want to close. All of our stores stay open. We remodel them and keep the doors open. So it's important to know that you don't have to close. Some people do uh, a three-day close and bang it out, uh, remodel, which you can certainly do and train your staff. And then that the money comes back, but you don't want to lose a customer uh, because if they go someplace else, uh, you don't know if you're going to get them back. So it's important not to yeah. close your store or lose any customers. Uh, an average yeah. uh, dog food customer is worth about 1500 bucks a year. And, you know, they take a long time to get. And then the next session, we'll talk about conversion and what, what the value of that is as well in the employee part as how can we train them to become better salespeople on converting a customer from a non-protected brand to a protected brand and go from 15% margin to 30% margin on a, on a food over a year's time. It's a lot of money. You only have to convert a couple people a week. So that's going to be a you good know, one. I've so, got some great so, numbers. And, and, and so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And let's not forget that if, if you're strictly a pet services business out there, there's something called attachment rate. And that is the people that bring their pets to you to, to, to provide services for, if you have a, a very targeted, very specific retail assortment, if they, if they are encouraged to purchase a piece of, of retail or supplies, that's that attachment rate to the service. So they're not only buying a service, but they're also buying the attachment rate. And by remodeling, you're also serving your staff. 
because you're giving them a more pleasurable environment to work in. So Chris, we are going to unpack a lot more on episode two. I'm just chomping at the bit to do that. Chris, uh, tell us how does the, the, the Hey Joe listener uh, uh, out there, how, how do they reach you? How do they find you? And, and you're, you're providing something really cool for them, right? In a, in a download? Yes, I did a uh, store design checklist for exterior, interior, merchandising, and staff, and a sign of a self-critique of looking at your business from what we just talked about, a fresh set of eyes. As a free download, I, I worked on this uh, and upgraded it over the years and kind of made it for this this, this specific uh podcast and and there's a code called ask joe at the bottom for 10 percent off services and a free 15 minute call with myself it's um turns usually turns into a half an hour and i don't keep track but i'm here to help uh and you know if there's anything we can do uh pacificstoredesigns.com um you can click on info or contact and they can always call our phone number 800-772-5661 and ask for me. Sometimes I even pick up. You never know. Just <laughs> well, they'll, uh, they'll be they'll be very fortunate if they do. So, uh, and, uh, so all of you, out there, I encourage out. you. Yeah, I encourage you absolutely. Get a hold of Chris. Get a hold of his team. Talk to them about Chris. You've told me there's no store or facility too small, right? You you can even if all you're doing is saying, "Hey, listen, try this. Try this on your own." bring us in for this, buy this fixture. You're going to have lots of resources beyond what we'd ever be able to talk about on a podcast. So Chris, thank you so much. And thank you for the tool that you're providing. So everybody go to the paragonpetschool.com website to the Hey Joe podcast uh, resources page to uh, uh, to find all of Chris's information, his bio, his company's information, and especially uh, to take advantage of that promo code. Chris, thanks again, ma'am. Look forward to episode two. Yeah, and download that PDF. It's free and give yourself a, you know, it's 2021. It's time for a fresh new look and time for change and time to look in the mirror and let's, let's get this done. Perfect. Thank you again, Chris. All right. Thank you, Joe.